Well, good morning. It's uh, lovely to be back with you and to, to be here, to be able to share what's been happening with us for the past year or so. And uh, thanks to Christoph uh, for having us to, to share that. For those of you who don't know uh, who we are, uh, we're David and Pamela McCullough. Uh, we were here in Kirkpatrick Memorial for about four years or so. And then we went overseas to work in Malawi, uh, which is known locally as the warm part of Africa. Uh, it's warm because it's very hot, so we're going back to 35 degrees centigrade into the summer. Uh, but it's also warm and welcome uh, in being received, uh, and certainly within uh, spheres of the Christian church, uh, welcomed and uh, very much brought into parts of the community. I'm going to show you some uh, pictures this morning as we go along, hopefully to give you a bit of a better idea of uh, what we're facing and what we're doing. And uh, really, I guess this morning I'm telling the story of what we're involved in. It's what's happening to us, it's what we do on a day-to-day basis, but ultimately it's a similar story to what's going on here. It's similar to your story because ultimately it's all God's story about what He is doing in reaching the world with the good news of the Gospel. So, as you've seen this morning, the two became three, and that's the very reason we're home. We weren't due to be home until next autumn, uh, but Beth came along, and uh, so we're here, and we return in about ten days' time. So, if you didn't get a look at it, there was her two months old yesterday. Please don't go, ah, uh, if you uh, were sometimes in our house at five o'clock in the morning, you wouldn't go, ah. Uh, you can see uh, this morning, she does like to cry whenever we don't want her to cry, so, uh, but we're very delighted to have her, and uh, we look forward to bringing her back uh, into the life that we have there in Malawi. Let me start with a very big thank you from us. Thank you in recent days for the food and the very generous gifts that we have received from so many in the congregation. We have been blown away. It's been awesome, the generosity of our family here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. So we say thank you for that, but also thank you while we were away. The care packages that came it was great getting in every month. Uh, we could enjoy some goodies from home, some reminders from home, and just even getting pictures and drawings uh, from, certainly for myself, boys and girls who I saw perhaps born and, and then grown up. Now I see them producing artwork and sending them out. And some very interesting interpretations of what Africa is like, but they go up on the wall and we do look up and we do cherish them. So thank you uh, for all your kindness towards us in this past year. If you don't know, if you're here this morning and maybe Malawi you've heard somewhere in the distant past or you've never heard of it at all, it's right down there in the bottom of Africa, surrounded by Mozambique, uh, Tanzania and Zambia. It's a landlocked country and that does affect how life is done. Nothing is really produced in the country for us to have, so everything comes in from South Africa or has to be shipped in through Mozambique. So very much life is shaped by where the country is located as being a landlocked country. We're out working with Scripture Union, uh, Scripture Union in Malawi. Uh, Scripture Union works in over 110 countries throughout the world, not just here in Northern Ireland, or in England and Wales or Scotland, or in the Republic of Ireland, but right across the world. And we're there along with 40 or so other movements within Africa. Our aim is simply this, working with the church to see the children and the families of Malawi following Jesus Christ, filled with hope and transforming the nation. There's a great belief in Scripture Union 
not just in Malawi but across the world, that the good news of the gospel transforms lives. I can say that because it has transformed my life. Pamela can say that because it has transformed her life. And by the transformation in us then, our whole environment, living environment is transformed and how we approach things. And then influences in community is very much what we've been learning here over the past number of years. Communities can be transformed by the gospel. And we dare to dream that a nation as corrupt and as impoverished as Malawi is can be transformed by the gospel. Our boss is Amon Chinika. Amon was here uh, in November or October 2012. Remember what I said earlier, we're going back to 35 degrees when he came here to 6 degrees. The heat was on full blast, two duvets on his bed, an electric blanket, and he still wore a fleece. So that's just to give you a little bit of a comparison. But Amon heads up uh, our team um, of workers, uh, and that's us gathered earlier in April for some staff training. Together we lose microphones. Uh, together we we work aiming to, to reach Malawi with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do that in various ways. This is a list that we certainly presented last year as we were leaving Bible clubs, teacher Christian fellowship groups, camps, daily Bible reading guides, Bible reading promotions couples Bible studies, very much what we would recognise as Scripture Union doing here in Northern Ireland. I want to talk about two key areas of our work this morning. The first one being really Bible clubs and teacher Christian fellowship groups. Our main work is in Bible clubs, in schools. We have a letter from the Malawi government that gives us permission to deliver Christian education in every single government primary schools throughout the country. And currently we're in two and a half thousand primary schools. Now, you saw a picture of a moment ago of 14 staff members, and you weigh that against two and a half thousand schools. You're getting the picture, hopefully, that we don't go to schools every week, we just couldn't. Because at these schools there are hundreds of boys and girls gathering under trees, singing songs, some in English, some in the local language, Chichewa, they're hearing Bible stories, the same Bible stories we teach our girls and boys in Sunday Club and wherever else. They're doing dramas, memory verses. They're learning what it means to follow Jesus. And they come week by week because this is something they want to do. So rather than our staff going in and delivering this, we train teachers. And we bring teachers together for that. But the life of a teacher is quite difficult. Some of you here are teachers, whether primary or secondary or then into higher level education. Wonder does your classroom, or indeed does the classroom that you remember look anything like this? A simple unplastered brick wall with a very large blackboard with rickety wooden desks that could fall apart at any moment. So you may think, and I do come from a generation where we did have a blackboard. And indeed, Dan and Katie, there were some rickety desks along the way as well. But whenever we look at this, this is a classroom that's much smaller than many of the classrooms we have here. And yet, 70 to 100 children fit in. It's three to four a desk. There may be chalk, and then there may not be chalk. There's certainly no pictures around the walls. There's no notice boards. There's no textbooks. There is nothing. 
Our teachers can go for six months without being paid because the government just doesn't have the money to pay their salaries. And what do you do? Do you go out and strike? No. You keep going because that's what you have to do to keep your job. Because the minute you stop, there are no laws providing you with much security. So if you stop working, well then that's you. You have no work. And so it's uh, very much a way not to work for six months without pay, then to get paid and continue having a job. So the teaching profession in Malawi is very demotivated. It's not very cared for. And it's very much... People value education at the higher levels. They just don't value it at primary school. And that's something that our teachers battle. So how do we then encourage our teachers who have absolutely no money? There's no such thing as buying resources for Bible club. There's no resources for the, uh, the school room. So how do we get teachers involved? The good news is we don't have to do anything because it's the boys and girls. And Christian teachers who have read their Bibles and understand that it's their job to share the good news of Jesus. They look at the faces in their classrooms and they aspire to see these lives change and transform a nation. So that then influences how they educate as Christian educators, but then how they lead in Bible clubs. But the challenges still are great. I don't know if you've had a chance to do your morning exercises this morning. For those of you in a friendship club, you don't have to do this because we've checked this with you and you're all okay. But I wonder, everyone else here this morning, can you do this? Just put your hand over the center of your head and touch your ear. Oh, don't be shy. Come on, look, everyone's doing that. Great. Well, I'm happy to say you can all go to primary school. In a country where resources across the country are so limited, especially in the government, how do you ever register a birth? So when a child asks, when was I born? You were born in the harvest time, or you were born in the planting season, or you were born in the heat, or you were born in the winter. Well, that gives you at least three months to choose when you were born. But what year? Oh, it was the year that we had the visitors from Zambia. Or it was the year we elected a new president. Or it was the year the president had his visit to America. How would you ever know when to go to school? So the simple, traditional way is once you can put your hand over your head and touch your ear, you can go to school. So that leaves a huge challenge. Because whenever I'm talking about primary school, we automatically think four to eleven year olds. But there are young people to the age of 16 still attending primary school. Because at some point in their development, they didn't grow enough to be able to do that. They're not special needs. They're not remedial classes in any way. They just did not develop as they should, and they couldn't do this. So our teachers aren't just looking at four to 11 year olds, they're looking at four to 16 year olds, 18 year olds. So our role is to help teachers in this. And we bring teachers together for teacher Christian fellowship groups where Christian teachers come together every month, they get around God's word, they make that the center of everything they do, and they study together. And this is what Pamela was doing before or after she got over her pregnancy sickness uh, around March time. She started working on Bible study materials and resources uh, for these teacher groups so that they could month by month get into God's Word and see what it means to be a follower of Jesus and then allow that to impact uh, what they do in the classroom. 
One exciting thing for me has been the ability to go into a teacher training college to lecture. And this was a complete surprise. Uh, I didn't know about this before we went. But Emmanuel Teacher Training College is the only Christian teacher training college in Malawi. And they, on their program of study, have a compulsory course on how to run a Bible club. They believe so much in the value of Bible clubs in primary schools that these, and there was a class of 150 training teachers, had to go every Thursday afternoon to learn what it means to, do this, to be a disciple of Jesus and to run Bible clubs. And these teachers have committed to the rural schools for two years and run Bible clubs as well as teach in classes. And we're looking forward to expanding this into government as training colleges as well. My day-to-day is very much behind a desk and a computer. I type a lot, I write a lot, because my job is to look after um, our key staff members in the field. If you can see, there's red circles going around heads. These are my staff. I'm responsible for them. And it's my job to regularly meet with them, to mentor them, and to train them. That's a, that is a full-time job in itself, just keeping on tabs on our staff. They're spread across the country. There's not always access to email, there's not always access to mobile phone, so it is hard work just keeping in contact with people, and whenever we go back it will involve me travelling a lot more around the country. But the guy in the middle, Ammon, with the blue circle, he's my boss, and we've developed a very good and strong relationship in how we work together and everything like that, and we thank you for prayers for that, but I ask you to continue to pray that that relationship will continue to grow stronger and stronger. We are an organisation with very few resources. That's the honest truth. <coughs> Getting a ballpoint pen in our office is tough going, never mind trying to find a paper to write on. That means we can't produce resources and things that we would like to do. And you have been so kind in coming and asking, how can we be involved? How can we be involved? But since we've come back, one thing has developed for us, and that is something called Containers for Malawi, where we're asking, um, for, for you to buy a, a box, a plastic box that costs eight pounds, and you buy it from a shipping company so it's completely waterproof. And whenever you're out shopping, much like we do with storehouse, if you'd left a ream of paper that's maybe on offer, or a box of ballpoint pens, or a box of pencils, or a packet of exercise books, or if you are in parts of the industry or, or work where you can get hands on laminating pouches, A3, A4, or A3 paper. We would ask if you would think about sending that to us in in some of these boxes. That means we can then use them to produce resources to send into schools. I'll be very honest, we're not intending to give this straight to schools. What we're asking is that if this comes out, we will then produce materials on it so that it can be used to better engage our teachers and our boys and girls in schools so that we can see a nation transformed for Jesus Christ. <coughs> this is only developed this week, so we're still working through what that's going to look like. We've been talking to Christoph about it, but we wanted to mention it this morning so that someday this could be what it looks like. Up in Belfast Dock, uh, with containers being put on that shipping container, and six weeks later being out with us in Malawi. So we'll, we'll keep you up to date with what that might look like. The second part of my work is very much revolving around camps and a campsite. I love going on camps. I love camping communities. I have very much enjoyed it while I was here, being involved in Scripture Union here with camps. 
And so as soon as uh, our colleagues in SU in Malawi knew that, they, they had me involved in the building of a campsite. Candy Camp and Conference Centre has been something we've been involved in for 15 years building. And we have teenagers who come to do discipleship, but also to learn life skills, HIV, AIDS camps, uh, about how to, to stem that, uh, the progression of that virus across the continent, and uh, keep our young people safe. But also Bible club camps where boys and girls come, much like a camp that we would have here in the summer, to take five days and enjoy their time there. And it is a beautiful place uh, on the northern shore of Malawi. It's quite a big plot. I don't know how good that's going to come up. But if you imagine the big T-shaped building right in the middle of the picture, that's the size of this building. And so then the rest is the size of our plot. We own right from the, wherever the lake touches on the shore, right back to the road. And uh, that's our plot for development. And what we have there are three thatched cottages. And that's where all our activities happen. Uh, we have the dining, the big building is a dining room, and uh, we have thatched uh, cottages there that accommodate 100 to 150 children with uh, 10 other TV tents that we have. The problem is, since I've been here, the rats have got in and eaten the thatch, and so our cottages are now out of use, which means we can't do camps. That is a, it has more of an impact than you think. I told you a minute ago, we don't have any resources, but any resources we can get come from the hire and the use of this centre. So we've had to close it down and uh, the thatch will have to be replaced at some time in the future. We're hoping before rainy season comes in December, otherwise um, the woodwork will get uh, destroyed as well. But what we are doing at Candy is building something bigger. It's a 90 bed cabin conference centre and I'm the person everyone's coming to to ask questions about in Malawi. What kind of bricks should we have? What kind of roof should we have? What kind of doors do you want? What way do you want them hung? What kind of electrics? I have absolutely no notion. And there isn't even Google there. This is a huge time and a huge pressure on me in terms of my life and my work. But it will be the biggest provider of bed spaces in Northern Malawi when the time is finished. And therefore it will bring in a revenue that will help us sustain the rest of the ministry. Second property I look after is called the Hangers Youth Centre in Wande. It's a 20 bed youth centre where we, we focus on uh, young people, uh, sort of 16 to 30, and we train them again in skills, numeracy, literacy, and also in discipleship. And uh, our neighbours are interesting. The Wande is a full uh, Muslim area. And how we engage with the Muslim community is very interesting for us. And this is where we're at and thinking how do we engage? and be good neighbours to those who live beside us. Folks, my time is rapidly going, but I want to tell you a little bit about our life. This is the only place where I've been speaking that I'm going to talk about this because you are our family. You have taken us in and you have loved us and cared for us over the past five years. And so we want to be a little bit honest with what life is really like for us. This isn't going to be the traditional story that you hear that many missionaries will tell. Our life... We have a very nice house. It looks like a prison. It's not. The blue bars are there to keep us safe because there is a security issue. And it always has been there. Because we are the skin colour that we are, it is perceived we have things that in fact we don't actually have. But it means that we are a target for security. We have bars on our windows. Uh, we have panic buttons in our rooms. We have never felt under threat. 
Let me assure you of that, especially for our parents who are sitting here this morning. We've never felt under threat, but we take precautions. But we have a very comfortable house that's big enough for you to come and visit, not just the house, but to stay and see what we're doing. So I issue that invitation to you, to any of you, a family, a small group of friends, whoever would like to come out, our door is open for you to come and see the work we're involved in. We've struggled with language. Hamlet took ill during language. It was going quite well. What we learned in two weeks, it was more than I learned in 15 years. We're looking to get back into that when we go back, but it was really tough because we're so proud people. We're afraid to use it and afraid to get it wrong and afraid of being laughed at. That's the only way to learn a language. So we're going back and we're trying to, to be more intentional about our language learning. Probably the hardest thing has been church. We were spoiled, not say ruined, but ruined in the good sense. We were spoiled here. Having a community of people who automatically took us into their hearts. We don't have that. And in fact, because we have a wall around our house, and because everyone else has a wall around their house, the city is a very isolated place. We live in a capital city that is very isolated. So even church, which is made up of white Africans, national Malawians, and very, very tired missionaries, Everyone goes behind their gates and doesn't come out. And we find that very difficult. We do find where we are quite lonely a lot of the time. Do pray for us in that. Especially for Pamela and Beth, as I will travel more and be away more. We need the comfort of knowing God's presence as we're apart, but also as we're together. And do pray. It sounds like a very paid one thing to ask. Do pray for friends. But with working in a fully national organisation where, where you are the odd right, the odd culture, where you never seem to do anything right in terms of culture, we need people that we can go to who aren't in that content, aren't in that context. So please do pray for us in that. If you have been around the Presbyterian Church much, you will know something called the United Appeal. And in fact, this morning in your update, you will have received a little leaflet telling you about the United Appeal. United Appeal is for the mission of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. And what it is, is every Presbyterian congregation, 550 congregations around Ireland, are given a target of honour. In other words, a set amount of money each year that each congregation is asked to contribute to at least, so that mission around the world and at home can be funded. Now very much uh, this edition of the briefing focuses on home mission. And, uh, the work of our community outreach workers. But United Appeal pays for um, Irish mission workers, it pays for youth development officers, and it pays for us. What you're investing in United Appeal, it pays for our rent month by month. It pays for our car, our Land Rover, that we get to use to go into the more uh, remote locations. It pays for our language study, it pays for our health, it pays for our flights. You're investing in the United Kingdom, it was us and 38 other of our colleague missionaries to be around the world. I loved it when I was here because talking about United Appeal um, was interesting. Because it is a separate giving. It's not part of what you would give regularly. It is separate. And if you get your little envelopes, 
And I know there are some of you out there putting them straight on your recycling pile because you give by direct debit, and that's great. But if you don't have your envelopes, what you do, if you do have to open them, and the envelopes at the top will have United Appeal stamped on them. And if you put money in that and give it on the collection plate, it goes straight for the distribution of mission in Ireland and around the world, and thereby enabling us to be on the field. If you do recycle your envelopes, it's great that you're recycling. But do get another envelope, simple envelope. And if you would like to invest in United Appeal, stick United Appeal on it and your freeable offering number on it so that we can claim gift aid and then put it on the plate and it will all be sent and administered for the work of mission across the world. That will give you a bit of an idea of what's happening. <coughs> you see, United Appeal is all about partnership. And in the last, quite literally, minute and a half, I want to take us to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 is Paul writing to a church that needs encouragement. It's a church that is there in a major city in the known world, and it's a church that is living in a society that Paul describes as crooked and depraved, or crooked and twisted, as another translation has. What Paul is doing in these first few verses of Philippians is saying to these believers in this very young church, remember where you are. Remember where you've come from and look around you because you are living in a crooked and depraved generation. You see, what's about to come next, the folks in Philippine need to know what's around them because Paul says, in this generation that is so crooked, depraved and twisted, shine like stars in the universe. We all know because I'm sure we've been in many meetings where the, the contrast between darkness and light has been made and given as an example. But you go or you're in a darkened room, you turn on a light and you know the difference. And it's the same with the night sky. If and when we get clear nights here in Belfast and you look up and you see the stars, you see a blanket of black with diamonds twinkling in it. The contrast between that dark, dark of space and light compared to that glimmering, shining brightness of the further stars in the universe. Paul says this is what the church is to be like. And if we look around the society of today, I don't think these 2,000 year old words would be far off the line. A crooked, twisted, depraved generation. In other words, a generation that goes after itself what it wants, what it desires. Well, Paul says to the church 2,000 years ago and the church today, don't be afraid to be different and stand out. Don't be afraid of shining like stars in the universe to be the contrast between what is truth and what are lies. The lies of the devil saying that everyone serves themselves and everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Rather, shine like stars that show the contrast of the truth and the light of Jesus Christ. If we believe the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be true and transforming, then we will want to shine and be different and not be afraid to. And most times it is the fear that stops us. But the fear is worth it. Because what we see around the world is God bringing the nations to himself. He's brought the nations to Northern Ireland, living and dwelling among us, 
And so we can shine like stars in this generation here because it's all what God is doing in his great salvation plan of all of history and all of future and bringing all the peoples to himself. And what is particular for us in our work overseas? In our work overseas is this partnership. Paul sends Timothy and wants to send Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. You see, we're all different. Every single one of us in terms of our passions and in our desires for outreach and mission. Some of us are passionate about overseas. Some of us are passionate about mission in Belfast. Some of us are passionate about mission in, in Ireland, in the Muslim world, in the persecuted church. And that's great because just like Timothy, we have to act in those passions to use what God has given us to proclaim around the world, but not at the expense of what God is doing in bringing the nations to itself. So on your behalf, we work with the church in Malawi to see a nation transformed. And now, because we're not here to do it anymore, on our behalf, you do it for us. With so much that you're going to hear this morning about what's happening, you do it on our behalf, just as much as we do it on your behalf in Malawi, because we are partners in the gospel. Right in Philippians 1, Paul thanks God every time he remembers them because of their partnership in the gospel. And friends, let me tell you, we thank God for you every time we pray because of your partnership with us in the gospel as we work and serve in the army. We have a wonderful family here that we do not take for granted. And thank each of you for your commitment to us and our family. Well, I'm finished. You haven't seen these in a year. Well, there's some that you haven't managed to get one, or perhaps you don't know where it is. There are some around this morning over here at the table, and out in front are little prayer cards. On it will have our website, so that you can keep track of what's happening, that we update, what well, we try to update regularly. And you can receive a monthly update now that's coming out, and hopefully we'll get that through in the Wednesday prayer email, but also you can get it directly from the Mission Overseas Office. And do pray for us as we return to Malawi on the 9th of October. It's coming quickly, and there's so much to do still. But we're looking forward to getting back and getting back into what God has for us there. Friends, thank you for the opportunity this morning. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing around the world, here in Belfast and across in Malawi. Thank you that we're part of it. Whether we're living here or overseas, we're partners together in the gospel. Help us never to be afraid to proclaim what is the truth. So we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um.